Hello, Miss Capel. Hello, Brother Capel. How are you? I'm great and marvelous today. Amen. Praise the Lord. Yeah. We're going to continue in our Ezra studies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's uh, June 3rd. Yes, it is. Yeah, Monday, June 3rd. 2019. Yeah. Yeah, this has been such a, uh, a real blessing of a study. And I'm not sure how many Ezra studies are out there on the uh, interwebs. Uh, I've heard a few people talk about Ezra, but, you know, I don't know. I just think that the way God is showing us uh, these scriptures and we, and we, we find affirmation or confirmations in the, in the biblical scriptures. Mm-hmm. I just think they're, um, well, I'm going to say it. I just think they're better than anything else I've, I've heard. I, I have to agree. I just, yeah, I really do. I think that the, the Holy Spirit has really been in these studies as far as revelation and showing things and um, heavy stuff. Um, I've noticed a huge spike. In, I mean, huge, like triple uh, in, in listenership. Mm-hmm. Uh, recently, really awesome. Yeah, and and I'm I I look at that and I'm like, man, it can't be, it can't be the Freedom Friday shows. We've been doing those for years, and uh, those though they're they're somewhat popular. You know, they can't just. There's nothing different or special that you know been going on. So I'm thinking it's the Ezra stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't be a hundred hundred percent certain, but I think it is. I hope it is because that means people are listening, you know, and really getting some meat and potatoes here, some word of God here. This is really, this is deep, deep steak. This Amen. is good stuff. This mm-hmm. is this is fourth man barbecue stuff right here, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> this ain't sugar. Um, yeah. So, you know, last uh, last week we finished up. We were in chapter seven of Ezra. And, you know, we finished up where Ezra was, was, was told about the upcoming judgment and things like that. This whole book so far has been prophetic. It's, it's been about uh, the day of the Lord. It's been about uh, when, when, when God consummates history, consummates time. Mm-hmm. It takes back his his creation after, you know, they have passed this uh, great tribulation, right? Mm-hmm. Not the great tribulation. I'm talking about great tribulation being born here in this satanic matrix and finding your way out, finding truth, right? Mm-hmm. And so we left with Ezra being told, you know, therefore, Ezra, empty things are for the empty and full things are for the full. And that is so true. I mean, it really is. If you're out and about part of the world and stuck in the worldly matrix, even though you're claiming Christianity, the whole bit, empty things are for uh, those kind of people. But full things are for those who are full, full of God, the knowledge of God, full of the thirst for the things of God. Exactly. Now, on our Facebook page, Fifth Hook Media, on our Facebook page, we posted a uh, 
a video. I, I seldom post YouTube videos from other people, but this one was so good. It's from Truth Unedited. Mm -hmm. And he, uh, he and it's, it says, you know, you must listen to this now, you know, watch this now. But he goes and he talks, basically what we've been saying for years, that take heed, the time is short, take heed because he's going to come back at a day and an hour that the world doesn't expect. It's going to be like a thief in the night. Luke says it's like a snare, a trap. It's a sudden. Mm -hmm. And when he, when he comes back, it's going to come back hard and it's going to come back full in the extent um, it, it, there's no recovering from it. Mm -hmm. Okay, because the, the, the time of repentance would be over. That's right. Okay, so none, none of us, even um, you know, people that, that are claiming Christianity, claiming a, a relationship with God, want to be caught unaware. Oh, no. And if, and if you're following the precepts of God and you've become a new creature in Christ and the Holy Ghost is guiding and leading you and you're walking in the Spirit, then that day won't take you by surprise That's right. or unaware. Because that's for the children of the night. But we're not children of the night. We're children of the day. That's right. Amen? Amen. Amen. So let's get with Ezra. And I'm going to title this one Ezra. Because there's so much here. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to entitle it uh, Ezra in, you know, and the Resurrection. Because that's where we're going to go with, with this. And it is, in fact, a timeline. And it's going to seem a little confusing at first. But when you... Hang on here, and we break it down. You're not going to be confused, and you're going to go, holy moly, macaroni, that's mm -hmm. some heavy stuff. Okay, and then you're going to see that these ancient books, like this this fourth Ezra that we're reading, or second Ezra's, as sometimes it's called, but fourth Ezra, it's an apocryphal book, you're going to see that these ancient books are really real. They're for real. They're really anointed. They really happened. They were really given to these writers. And there's really God's knowledge in these things. And you can see why now they've been suppressed and poo-pooed and ignored. Mm -hmm. Because the Satans in this matrix don't want people to see this kind of knowledge and get out. The other thing it does is that when you read the book of Revelation now, that no one can interpret, no one knows it. There's, there's thousands and thousands of books. So many people, I know what it's all about, about and they don't know. Mm -hmm. Because it's a very Jewish Old Testament type of book, the book of Revelation. Well, when you read these ancient books like 4th Ezra, you see the ties into the book of Revelation because it's all about the day of the Lord. See, John was in the spirit on the day of the Lord. Don't ever think that the day of the Lord was Sunday. <laughs> yeah. That he was, at, he was at church on a Sunday. It's on the Lord's day and I was on the spirit. Don't ever think that because that is really wrong thinking. He was in the spirit on the day of the Lord. His vision, he saw the day of the Lord, mm -hmm. the end of time, the consummation. That's okay. Right. It's not phony church on Sunday. Please don't ever think that. Uh, because there are some commentaries and people that say that mm -hmm. that he he was on the day of he was in the spirit on Sunday, <laughs> really? I thought he was Jewish. I thought they celebrated uh, the Sabbath. 
Oops. Just, I mean, you know what I mean? It's just the ignorance of people. Some on purpose, some are just purposely ignorant. And some just don't want to see anything. And woe to them. But we'll see here the ties into the 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 uh, the unveiling of the apocalypse. And that's what's amazing. Uh, the other thing I want to say about 4th Ezra, many modern uh, type of scholars, when I say modern, you know, I'm saying, you know, anything from the turn of the century on, but especially like after the 80s, really, 1980s, you start seeing biblical scholarship and commentaries and stuff kind of going sideways mm-hmm. uh, at this point. But uh, the, the modern um, critics of this book will date it, you know, somewhere in, in the second or third century A.D. Because they, they cannot believe it was written by Ezra. They can't believe the words of God. And, and so they have to make it, they have to discredit it and say it's post-diction. They do the same thing with the book of Daniel. Yeah. The book of Daniel was so precise in its prediction of uh, Antichius Epiphanes the fourth, and of the, the four kingdoms that came after Alexander the Great. I mean, it was so detailed in chapters uh, 11 and 12 that the, the, the evil Jewish Sanhedrin Kabbalist creeps cursed, even cursed chapter 9 of Daniel, saying anybody who reads chapter 9 of Daniel is cursed because it spoke of the Messiah. It wasn't until later on that stupid people came, you know, like in the Darby Bible and things like that, and of course the Left Behind series. They had screwed everything up, uh, what's the hell, Lindsay and all that stuff, with this whole seven-year tribulation uh, affecting Israel, the time clock of Israel, and everybody's going through. That's all nonsense, you know. Mm-hmm. We've, we've, we've done studies on this. We, we have proven that Daniel 9 is talking about Christ. It's Jesus who broke the covenant. Exactly. Jesus broke the old covenant because he brained a new covenant in his blood. Well, you know, the Kabbalists don't want you to know that because that's truth that will set you free. That's truth that will set you free. So in Daniel, they even, they call it post-diction. It's so accurate that there's no way he could, there's no way that could be so, right? Mm-hmm. Well, Ezra's the same way. Modern scholarship was, oh, was written somewhere, blah, blah, blah. I even read where they said it was some Christians who wrote it so they could, you know, bring the Jews and Christians together. That's all nonsense. This thing was written by Ezra. It was revealed to Ezra in Ezra's day. And older commentaries, older scholars, when they were really men of God back in the day, in the 1800s and stuff before the turn of the century, uh, all knew this. They all knew the dating of Ezra was real. Uh if if you suppose that the book was written by some uh, a Christian under the pseudonym of Ezra, that's the apocryphal, just an apocryphal book written sometime in the second century AD, then everything in it, if it starts off, if the premise is phony, then everything in it would be phony. Mm-hmm. Therefore, you're not going to get the words of God. That's why studies like this are for people who are mature and full of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Only people who are mature in God and full of the Holy Spirit are going to understand these messages. That's why I was so glad to see a spike in the listenership because that means there are people out there full of the Holy Spirit. That's what I'm, I'm hoping. Amen, yes. Amen? Amen. Okay, I'm done preaching. Good night. Thank you for coming. <laughs> That's it.
11 minutes into the show. That's a short one. Yeah. So here we are. <laughs> so let's start with verse 26, chapter 7, verse 26. And we are going to stop. We have to stop at verse 33 because that'll start next week. It, that, that's This is really like heavy judgment stuff. Mm-hmm. It all goes together. It all flows together. I hate to stop, but there's just too much here. Yeah, it'd be a ten-hour show. There's it's this meat and potatoes. This is fourth man barbecue stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Miss Capal, would you be so kind to read verses twenty-six uh, through thirty-three so everybody can get the general sense of what we're talking about? Then we're going to break everything down. Okay. And I want to warn everybody as she's reading, you're going to shake your head. Okay, okay, I kind of get that. But then there's going to be some things in here that you're going to go, I don't get that. Mm-hmm. What happened? You know, I, what does that mean? We're going to tell you and you're going to be blessed. Amen. Amen. Okay. Verse 26 says, For behold, the time will come when the signs which I have foretold to you will come to pass, that the city which now is not seen shall appear. And the land which is now hidden shall be disclosed. And every one who has been delivered from the evils that I have foretold you shall see my wonders. For my son, the Messiah, shall be revealed with those who are with him. And those who remain shall rejoice four hundred years. And after these years, my son, the Messiah, shall die. And all who draw human breath. And the world shall be turned back to primeval silence for seven days, as it was at the first beginnings, so that no one shall be left. And after seven days, the world, which is not yet awake, shall be roused, and that which is corruptible shall perish. And the earth shall give up those who are asleep in it, and the dust shall those who dwell silently in it, And the chambers shall give up the souls which have been committed to them. And the Most High shall be revealed upon the seat of judgment, and compassion shall pass away, and patience shall be withdrawn. Ooh, man, that's going to get heavy. Yeah. Because only judgment shall remain, truth shall stand, and faithfulness shall grow strong. Mm -hmm. Then are the rewards given. So as she read that, you're probably shaking your head going, oh, wow, you know, in general, this is a prophetic uh, utterance. Mm-hmm. You know, in general, this is talking about the day of the Lord. But specifically, there may be things like Messiah being revealed, um, those rejoicing for 400 years, Messiah dying uh, and with everybody that draws human breath. Those things may have went, huh, what? What, I, you know, that don't, what are you talking about? Um, the silence in heaven for, uh, you know, seven, seven days, things like that. Uh, even language about the corruptible shall perish. It, it may have thrown you for a loop. And that's okay because loops are good because that's how the Holy Spirit explains things. And then you know that you know. Mm-hmm. Because if they were uh, something that you could figure out, then it wouldn't be the words of God. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. All right, so the angel is talking in behalf of God because he's a messenger. He's a messenger of God. He's talking in behalf of God to Ezra because Ezra is asking a bunch of questions and they're talking about the end of the world, the end of time and deliverance for Israel. At the time, 
Ezra is concerned about his people, Israel, who are under Babylonian captivity around 586 BC. All right? They were in captivity under Babylon for 70 years before they were allowed to go back to the land and rebuild the temple under King Cyrus the Persian. Mm-hmm. This is the time frame that this is being written in. So the angel is talking to Israel and says, for behold, the time will come when the signs which I have foretold to you will come to pass. Now those signs are from the previous chapters and words that we have written on this series or, or that were written and we've talked about in this series. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't started from day one, start from day one because you don't want to miss this stuff. So he says, the time is going to come that these signs which I've talked to you about and told you are going to come to pass. So this is something still in the future. And then he says that the city, which is now, which now is not seen, shall appear. And the land which now is hidden shall be disclosed. So let's stop right there, verse 26. There is a city and there is a land that at the time of Ezra was not seen. But the angels say there will come a time when the signs that were told you will happen and that city and that land will then be seen. It will appear. If you're thinking about the city of God, bing, bing, you are mm-hmm. correct. Zion, Zion. Remember, everything is spiritual here. God is a spirit, and those who worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. That's right. The things that happened to Israel, the physical things like the land and stuff like that, were for our learning experience, all right? Mm -hmm. In Hebrews 11, 8 through 10, it says, By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should, after receive for an inheritance, in other words, he was called to go somewhere, which afterwards he should get an inheritance of, right? Right? Mm-hmm. He obeys that command when he was called. But he went out and he didn't know where he was going or where he went. But it says, by faith, he went ahead and sojourned in the land of promise because it was promised to him, mm-hmm. even though with his eyes then he couldn't see it because it belonged to Canaanites and Hittites and Arvites, and, right? Mm-hmm. And he sojourned in this land of promise as in a strange country. Even though it was promised to him, it was like he was like, oh, I don't belong here. Kind of like us in this matrix, in this satanic system. Mm -hmm. And it says about Abraham dwelling in tabernacles, in tents, with Isaac and Jacob, their heirs also with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which has foundations whose builder and maker is God. So Abraham is sojourning in a physical land that was promised Mm 
to him and his heirs, Israel, and you are Israel if you're in Christ and Israel is you. There is no race. The barriers are broken down between Jew and Gentile and, and Israel and you are in Christ. <clears throat> so he's there. He's an heir with Israel for the same promise of the land. But then it says in Hebrews, he looked for a city which has foundations. It's, it's a real city. It's built whose builder and maker is God. But it wasn't seen yet, correct? Mm-hmm. So when Ezra says, that city which is not seen shall appear and the land which is hidden shall be disclosed, he's talking about when Zion comes down. It's the new Jerusalem. It's that city four square. It's the bride. as It comes down as the bride of Christ. That is the city that shall appear. Zion is the land that shall be disclosed. And I know there's a lot of other scriptures, Ms. Capel, yep. that talk about Zion. And, um, you know, probably even in Hebrews there about, um, <clears throat> you know, Mount, Zion is not that mountain over there in Egypt. Yep. But now, it, um, in Romans 10, 12, it says, For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. There is no racial barrier. Mm-mm. Don't get caught into this whole messianic uh, Jewish stuff. Um, you know, and, and when I what I mean is like, don't put. Oh, he's a Jew. He, you know, he knows more than me because mm-hmm. Jewish. That's that's not biblical thinking. We're all one under Christ now. There's no race. God's not interested in race. He never has. No. He's interested in heart. And relationship, you know. And if people can't see that at this point, I I don't know. I I'm concerned about them. Mm-hmm. I really am, because if you cannot see that it's about relationship and about a person's heart, um, you, you got a lot more problems than I can ever tell. Mm-hmm. Um. So in verse 27, and I'll have you read this this scripture there. Um, it says, and everyone who has been delivered from the evils that I have foretold shall see my wonders, okay? So mm-hmm. two things the angel was telling Ezra, uh, there's a time that's gonna come, all these signs that I've told you are gonna come, and there's gonna be a city <clears throat> that you can't see right now. There's a land that's hidden that's gonna be disclosed. That's the new Jerusalem. God, see, Christ is gonna come down here and all the kingdoms of this this land, this earth, are, going to, are his. They're delivered unto him. Mm-hmm. And everything that's offensive, all this evil, all this demons, all this satanic crap is going to be removed. Amen. Yep. Right? So everyone who has been delivered from the evils that I have foretold shall see my wonders. That should be us. We should be part of that everyone who's been delivered from the evils seeing the wonders. Amen. And I uh, I do have a note there. Somewhere. Yes, you do. Uh, why don't you go ahead and read that? It's a scroller, so I'll read the rest of it. Okay. Revelations 3.12. Yeah. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out. And I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem 
which cometh down out of heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my new name. You see, I, I didn't make that up. What, what I just told you, that that's what the angel was telling Ezra. There's a city that's, that's not seen, a land that is hidden, but will be disclosed. And everyone who's been delivered from this evil shall see his wonders. That is revelation. Okay, so when, when we study the book of Revelation, <clears throat> the reason why we can't put these pieces together because these other books have been removed, hidden, or destroyed, or um, discredited from our biblical readings. Yeah. And that's just a fact. Um, and that's why. Okay, so you're not getting the full picture of things. The full picture has always been there. <clears throat> but, you know, we're not getting we're not getting fourth Ezra in Sunday school. Mm-hmm. Get my drift. Mm-hmm. So right there, Revelation 3 tells, he's talking about this same event. That that those who overcome, just like Ezra says, that that are delivered from the evils out of this place, they overcame. They're, they're pillars in this new city, in the temple. They're, they're not going out anymore. It's over. They Amen. made it. Amen. And the name of God's going to be written on them. The name of the city of his God. That's, it's the new Jerusalem. It's Zion, the new Zion. And it comes out of heaven from God. And he writes upon him his name. Okay, this is a huge thing. This is the end, this is the end game. This is where we are. This is our goal right here. Amen, yes. When this happens, you could breathe, breathe a sigh of relief because you are in for eternity. Mm-hmm. And you have passed the great tribulation. Serious. That's the end game. Nothing else matters. <laughs> amen. Nothing else matters but this. And when you get that in your spirit, your whole life will change. Mm-hmm. This is the ultimate goal. It's the end of all things. But getting here requires three events, if you notice. Right? That's right. And we're going to read about these three events. But first, I'm going to prep you on it. <clears throat> to get to this place of the, of the end game and being in the new Jerusalem, in the new heavens, and having God's name written on us, and we're never leaving again, three things must first occur. Prophetically, Messiah, that's Jesus Christ mm-hmm. of Nazareth, the son of the most high God. Messiah, our savior, and those with him are revealed in the 400 years between the Old Testament and New Testament writings. We have the Dead Sea Scrolls. You have writings of the Essenes, You've all heard of the Essenes, the, the, the sect, the religious sect that was, wasn't, they weren't Pharisees, they weren't Sadducees, they were the Essenes. They were out in the caves in, in Qumran where the Dead Sea Scrolls were found. They kept these writings, they protected these writings. They were a religious sect is what they call them. But the Essenes were part of the people who understood that Messiah was coming. You get it? They were part of those that were with Messiah 
who, re, who, who revealed himself to them. For 400 years, they rejoiced knowing Messiah was coming. And I'm going I'm 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 to prove that to you. Mm-hmm. And when I say 400 years, and when Ezra says 400 years, we are talking at the time of Ezra, this is, toward, this is the end. When the Jews get back and able to rebuild their temple, they're never the same. They're never, you know, have the land again anymore. And then you have Alexander the Great come, and then you have Antichius, and you have all this stuff, and then the Roman Empire arises. And by the time John the Baptist comes on scene, and he says, behold, that's the Lamb of God, <clears throat> whose shoes I'm not worthy mm. to, even, to even touch. Amen. And he goes, behold, that's him, the Lamb of God. By the time John the Baptist comes, there has been 400 years of intertestamental silence. Mm-hmm. But there hasn't been silence. There's a lot of things that have been going on. The Maccabean revolt happened. The temple was destroyed and, and rebuilt. You had the Festival of Lights where the Festival of Lights comes from. You have prophetic writings. You have um, all the Dead Sea Scrolls. You have the Essenes. You have for 400 people, 400 years, people who knew the Messiah was coming, that that truth was revealed to them, mm-hmm. probably through the prophetic schools like Ezra here, were anticipating him and rejoicing in his coming for 400 years. That's why when John the Baptist came on scene, that was huge because he was the first prophet to walk in Israel for 400 years. And what did he say? He prepared the way for the one that was coming. And he goes, behold the Lamb of God. It's huge, people. It's a huge, huge thing. Am I making sense, Ms. Kapow? Oh, yes, definitely. Messiah and those with him are revealed in the 400 years between Old Testament and New Testament writings. Our Dead Sea Scrolls, the writings of the Essenes, all this stuff prove this. Those people rejoice for 400 years knowing that Messiah is coming. That's important for you to know because what we're about to read in Ezra says that. All right? This is number one of the things that must happen before the New Jerusalem comes down. Mm-hmm. Has it happened? Yes, it happened 400 years before John the Baptist was baptizing in the Jordan. Number two, the second thing that has to happen before the new Jerusalem comes down is that Messiah comes and dies. Has that happened? Yes. Jesus Christ of Nazareth has come and he sacrificed his divine blood for our redemption. Amen. There's a third thing that has to happen before New Jerusalem comes down. There's three things. This is the third thing. Number three, all humanity will then die afterwards. Has that happened? I hope not because I don't know who I'm talking to and who I am then because I'd be dead. Mm -hmm. Right? All humanity has not died yet. That's the only thing left. (laughs) You got to understand that. According to Ezra, this ancient prophet, this knowledge given to him through a messenger of God, those are the three things. And there's only number three that hasn't happened yet. After these events and their order, then the end is to come. Then the new Jerusalem is set up for those who overcame 
in this tribulation of satanic world systems. Okay? Mm-hmm. Got anything to add, Mrs. Kapow, on that? Mm-mm. All right. So just to reiterate, for behold, the time will come when the signs which I have foretold to you will come to pass that the city which is now, is now not seen, shall appear and the land which is now hidden shall be disclosed, right, Zion? Mm-hmm. And everyone who has been delivered from the evils that I have foretold shall see my wonders, right? The new Jerusalem comes down, your name's written on the temple. And then here's what I'm talking about. That's the grand theme, and then it gets very specific. In verse 28, it says, for my son, the Messiah. You see why they hate this book? Mm-hmm. You see they want how they want to oppress this book? Oh, it's a Catholic apocryphal book. It was written in the second AD. You see why they hate this? Mm-hmm. Because it tells you exactly where you're at. It tells you to take heed. Anyway, verse 28, for my son, the Messiah, shall be revealed with those who are with him. What does that mean? Messiah is revealed for with those who are with him, those who are expecting their Messiah. Those yeah. Jews mm-hmm. who understood the Psalms, and Samuel, and Ezekiel, and Jeremiah, and Isaiah, on and on, and Moses, those Jews who said there's a Messiah coming were with him. That Messiah was revealed to them. And it says, and those who remain shall rejoice 400 years. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? The Messiah the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was revealed to those Jewish believers right after Ezra's day. Those people died in the generations that came after them for 400 years. Those who remain rejoiced until John the Baptist walked on the shores of the Jordan and said, behold, the Lamb of God. Wow. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hello, he's here. <laughs> mm-hmm. And they knew that once he came, that and then the thing is that they also knew that he was going to die and give his life up. They knew that, and that's why Jesus was so he was so perplexed when he kept telling his disciples, his close disciples. You know, the Son of Man has to be delivered. He's going to die and everything. It has, and it, what did he say? To fulfill everything that's been written about me. And they're like, oh, no, now you're going to die. Now you're not going to happen. He was like, get thee behind me because you, 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 you want the things of the world, not the things of God. It was perplexing to him because it's part of the prophecy. This is huge. Everybody enjoying their steak, meat and potatoes. This is heavy stuff, man. You know, in... Uh First Peter one ten it says uh, Peter's talking about our salvation, and uh, he's telling the um, the church that of which um, the prophets of old it says of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of time the spirit of Christ which was in them did signify, when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. See? Wow. So that's telling us, this the, is supporting this these scriptures here. That, that is outstanding support. Peter himself saying, 
The scriptures are telling you about this. Oh, no. But, you know, you know, fourth Ezra was written by Christians, you know, after the fall of Jerusalem 200 years, right? Mm-hmm. You see why the Satans want to hide ancient books like Enoch, Jubilee, Ezra's. I can go on and on. These things are packed with godly wisdom and knowledge, especially about the end times. Mm-hmm. That's why Jesus is always saying, take heed, watch, pray. You don't know when it's going to come. That's our whole job. We have to pass the great tribulation, which mm-hmm. is what we're born in. Not some mythical seven-year period in the future, folks. So that's a beautiful, I love that scripture. Mm-hmm. That is, that's wonderful. Yeah, and I don't know if I read the um, the where it's at, but Can, it's First Peter 1. And actually, if you read 6 through 10, it gives a bigger picture. Well, go ahead. Let me read that. Give it. Uh, verse 6. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if ye, if need be, ye are in heaviness through many tempta- manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen ye love, in whom thou now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy, unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Glory. Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. Wow! Oh, and verse 12 says, And to whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us, they did minister the things which are now being reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. Wow! I know, amen, right? Now see, that scripture just pops wide open now. It does, it does. Because you're reading the ancient book of Second Ezra. And now that scripture goes boom and just pops. And it makes all the sense in the world now. Whereas before, you just read it with your Sunday school eyes and, and read right over it. Going, hey, that's great. Let's go. Exactly. Don't understand it really. That was like, gave me chills. That's heavy. That is a, that, oh, thank you for finding that. Praise that Lord, is yes. gorgeous. For my son, the Messiah, shall be revealed with those who are with him. That's exactly what she just read. Mm-hmm. The prophets and those that were expecting Messiah. And then those who remain, those, those other generations, for 400 years were rejoicing in the revelation that their fathers got about Messiah coming. Amen. Oh. Hallelujah. Oh, my goodness. This, my friends, are, is Christianity. This is the mm-hmm. real gospel. This is, this is the called out ones right here, okay? This is the truth. Man, that's good. Mm. Verse 29, 
And after these years, what years? The 400 years we're just talking about, the intertestamental period. After these years, my son, the Messiah, shall die. And all who draw human breath. Not at the same time, folks. We know that. Did the Messiah die? Yes. And Miss Kapow just read in Peter where he says that. Amen. It was all revealed to those who were with the Messiah looking forward to his coming and to his work. Mm-hmm. Things that the angels wish they could, they could look into. This is the gospel. This is the good news. This is the redemption that we all have. And he did. You on this, uh, you want to read Matthew 3? 11 through 17. Oh, 1 through 3. Don't you have that? Oh, maybe you don't. I'll read it. Okay. Matthew 3, 1 through 3 says, In those days came John the Baptist, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, mm-hmm. and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, for this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Mm -hmm. When John the Baptist hit the scene, it was a big thing. Amen. He was the first prophet in 400 years. Mm. But yet, did they believe? Did the Jewish people as a whole believe? No, they didn't. But many did. That's why we're here today. Okay, the next one, uh, Matthew. Yes, Matthew three eleven through 17. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chafe with unquenchable fire. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. And then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom whom I am well pleased. Bam! That scripture now, that story, that narrative right Mm. there pops out. Because now you realize this ain't something that just happened. Why was John preaching repentance? Why was John preparing the way of Jesus? Outside of the fact, oh, well, he's you know, prophesied to do so. Because this was foretold. So the, his disciples, John's disciples, those people that were listening to his message, when he points his fingers and says, behold, the Lamb of God, they knew what he was talking about. Mm-hmm. That's him. That's, that's, that's why I'm here. This is huge stuff. Amen. It's huge. Because it, it makes your relationship with God and it makes your relationship with Messiah very personal. Amen, yes. Very personal. So after these years, the 400 intertestable years, my son, the Messiah, shall die. And then it says, and all who draw human breath. Mm. So that's what I mean 
when I when I before I read all the stuff, I told you those three things have to happen before the new Jerusalem comes. Once the new Jerusalem comes and you're part of the pillar of the temple and he's written your name on you, it's over. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank <laughs> you you, Jesus. you have Thank got you. on the bus and you've arrived. And you will the sin will never enter into the kingdom again. And he can trust you because you went through great tribulation, great trial to get there. You passed the probation. You found the small, narrow gate, and you walked the narrow path and didn't go the road of destruction with the rest of the world. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Yes. So, and then all humanity will be destroyed. I have First Thessalonians 5, 2 through 3, and I know there's, there's a lot of scriptures, Ms. Capel. Yes, but this one says, For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night, for when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. There are so many scriptures, Old Testament and New Testament, that talk about all who draw human breath shall die. Dozens of them. That was just one. Those are the three things that must happen before the New Jerusalem comes down. When the New Jerusalem comes down, you and I, Lord willing, and we take heed, shall have put off this corruptible body, this flesh suit, and put mm-hmm. on incorruption and, and, and have, have cleansed our robes white with the blood of the Lamb mm-hmm. and, 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 and overcome the world and Satan through the blood of the Lamb and by our testimony. That's right. Man, that's where I want to go. And we love not our life unto death. Yes, because you pick up the cross and you follow him. And denied yourself. And mm-hmm. he who wants to live life will give it. And he who, who, who won't give it won't get it. And in verse 30, it says, and the world shall be turned back to primeval silence for seven days as it was at the first beginnings. This is serious stuff because in the beginning, if you read in Genesis, God created everything and he finished on by the seventh day, did he not? Mm-hmm. Uh, Peter says the day of the Lord is like a thousand years, a thousand years is like the day of the Lord. Um, In Jubilees, a lot of times, you know, seven weeks means the weeks of years. So in this Ezra passage, I cannot be dogmatic and tell you what seven days mean or what they are. Uh, But because everything has been so literal so far, I would go and say my opinion is that it's a literal seven days. And the world shall be, it doesn't matter. You're not going to be here. (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're going to be in the temple of God in the new Jerusalem. You're not going to be here. But this is what's going to happen. The world, this earth, will in, in all the world systems, right, shall be turned back to primeval silence for seven days, just like it was at the beginning, so that no one shall be left. This is destruction. It's over. When this, whatever it is that hits this place, and I think it's coming from the heavens, you know, asteroid 
Nibiru pole shifts. I don't know. But when it does, it's over. Right? Um, so let's look at the world shall be turned back to primeval silence for seven days. Now, remember, the seven days is down here on this earth. But let's look at what's going to be silent up in heaven for a half hour. Mm-hmm. It goes hand in hand. Um, this is from the uh, JFB commentary, which is written in the 1800s. So they were still men of God back then. I like this one. He says, silence in heaven about a half an hour. And he's talking about Revelation 7, 9 through 8 through 3. I'll have you read that, Ms. Kapow, after sure. this. Okay. But he's, he's talking about silence in heaven about a half an hour. The last seal having been broken open, the book of God's eternal plan of redemption is about to be opened for the lamb to read to the blessed ones in heaven. Can you imagine that? There you are. Your robe is white. You've done it. You've passed the great tribulation. You didn't receive the mark of the beast and go the way of the world. And he's about to break that that seal and read the rest of it. Mm-hmm. And it says, the half hour silence contrasts with the previous jubilant songs of the great multitude taken up by the angels in Revelation 7, 9 through 11. So that means the resurrection slash rapture has already happened. It's a solemn introduction to the employments and enjoyments of the eternal Sabbath rest of the people of God. You see how this ties into Ezra's seven days of silence Mm. and the earth turned back to primeval and all flesh shall shall perish. See how the ties in there? Mm. Um, It commences with the lambs reading the book heretofore sealed up and which cannot know until then. Silence in heaven is a half hour, not the silence of the world. That's Mm. my writing. Mm -hmm. That's me. It's in heaven. The half hour silence is the brief pause given to John between the preceding vision and the following one, implying on the one hand the solemn introduction to the eternal Sabbatism or Sabbath, which is to follow the seventh seal. There's your seventh number again. And on the other, the silence which continued during the incense-accompanied prayers, which usher in the first of the seven trumpets. Now, once the trumpets start blowing, those seven trumpets, um, on it's all over down here. Super judgment. You won't be here. You won't be here if, you're, if your robe's uh, made white. With the blood of the lamb. Mm-mm. Okay, uh, Revelation. It's Revelation 7, 9 through 8, 3. It says, After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sits upon the throne and unto the lamb. And all the angels stood around about the throne and about the elders and the four beasts and fell before the throne on their faces and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and, and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. Verse 13. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, 
What are these which are arrayed in white robes, and whence came they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which came out of the great tribulation, and have washed their robes, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God, and serve him day and night in his temple. And he that sits on the throne shall dwell among them. And they shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them, and shall lead them unto living fountains of water, and shall and God shall wipe away all their tears from their eyes. And then we go to chapter 8, verse 1 through 3, that says, And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of a half an hour. And I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. And another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer, and there was given unto him much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. Now you keep in mind after this, all hell breaks loose, because mm-hmm. then they're throwing the coals of that censer, uh, that altar, on the earth. Um, so there you have it. You have, you have, and the world shall be turned back to primeval silence for seven days as it was in the first beginnings so that no one shall be left. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a tie into Revelation for that. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, that's the end of all. How, could you do Philippians and Second Thess? And second, oh, you can't scroll, can you? I have it. Okay. Let's see. Um, Philippians, let's see, 3.17. Three, uh-huh. Through four okay. one. Yeah. Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. For many a walk, for many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. Hmm. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able to even subdue all things unto himself. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and my crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my deli- my. Dearly beloved. So Paul is saying, you, you better walk, you better be followers together, right? Like, like I am, and you better mark and take heed to those who aren't. Mm-hmm. And Paul said, it makes me cry, but they, they were once walking, but now they're enemies of the cross of Christ. Mm-mm. And their destruction is, is, is whose God is their belly and whose glories are, in other words, they're, they're worldly. They mind earthly things. You can lose it. You don't want to lose it. Second Thessalonians 1, 7 through 12 says, And to you who are troubled, rest with us, when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels mm-hmm. in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God Mm-mm. and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who shall be punished those people who reject God, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power, 
when he shall come to be glorified in his saints and be admired in all them that believe because our testimony among you was believed Mm -hmm. in that day. You get it? Wherefore also we pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and ye in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Clearly, Paul is writing about the destruction when Christ returns on the day of the Lord. We don't want to miss that. Mm -hmm. And see how precious our faith is. Yes. The faith of Jesus. Very, very Mm -hmm. much, because it's it's the gospel we believed. Uh, 2 Peter 3.10 through 12, one of my favorites. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the witch in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat Mm. and the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Mm -hmm. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what matter of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Hallelujah. Looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. He's not kidding around. No one will be left. Verse 31, And after seven days the world, which is not yet awake, shall be roused, and that which is corruptible shall perish. Okay, Mm -hmm. what he's talking about there is the resurrection after the seven days of destruction and it goes and all flesh is is dead. Everybody's dead. The world is not yet awake, but then it shall be aroused. It shall be wakened up and that which is corruptible, right? The flesh Mm -hmm. is perishing. Okay. Mm -hmm. Let me read Jeremiah 419 through 31 or you want to read that? No, you don't have that. I I have it. Oh, okay. Okay, let's see. 4, 19. Okay. 19 through 31. My bowels, my bowels, I am pained at my very heart. My heart maketh a noise in me. I cannot hold my peace, because thou hast heard, O my soul, the sound of the trumpet, the alarm of war. Destruction upon destruction is cried, for the whole land is spoiled. Suddenly are my tents spoiled and my curtains in a moment. How long shall I see the standard and hear the sound of the trumpet? For my people is foolish. They have not known me. They are sottish children, and they have done none understanding. They are wise to do evil, but to do good they have no knowledge. I beheld the earth, and lo, it was without form and void, and the heavens, and they had no light. I beheld the mountains, and lo, they trembled, and all the hills moved lightly. I beheld, and lo, there was no man, and all the birds of the heavens were fled. I beheld, and lo, the fruit place, the fruitful place was a wilderness, and all the cities thereof were broken down at the presence of the Lord, and by his fierce anger. For thus hath the Lord said, The whole land shall be desolate, yet will I not make a full end. For this shall the earth mourn, and the heavens above be black, because I have spoken it, I have purposed it, and I will not repent, neither will I turn back from it. The whole city shall flee for the noise of the horsemen and bowmen. They shall go into thickets and climb up upon the rocks, 
Every city shall be forsaken, and not a man shall dwell therein. And when thou art spoiled, what wilt thou do? Thou dost clothest thyself with crimson, thou, though thou deckest thee with ornaments of gold, though thou rentest thy face with painting, in vain shalt thou make thyself fair, and thy lovers will despise thee, they will seek thy life. Verse 31. For I have heard a voice of a woman in travail, and the anguish as of her bringeth forth her first child. The voice of the daughter of Zion, that bewaileth herself, that spreadeth her hands, saying, Woe is me now, for my soul is wearied because of murderers. You see, that's talking about the day of the Lord, and it's talking about being in bed with the world, and you, you know, you, you, he uses the, the analogy of a woman putting on her makeup and painting her hair and doing, you know, and getting all beautiful, but they don't care. Mm. You're going to be destroyed because those who got in allegiance with Satan, you can only serve one master. It's either God or Satan. I don't care if you're a good person. I don't care if you look at your neighbor or the person next to you in church, but they're a good person. If you're not serving God, you're serving Satan. You can mm -hmm. only serve one master and you That's hate right. the other or you love one and hate the other. And the thing is, those that are in bed with Satan, no matter how fair they make themselves, the lovers of the world will be destroyed. Mm -hmm. Because they are enmity with God. Amen. No one shall be left. Okay, so after seven days, the world which is not yet awake shall be roused, and that which is corruptible shall perish. Verse 32, and the earth, shall give up those who are asleep in it and the dust, those who dwell silently in it and the chambers shall give up the souls which have been committed to them. Mm -mm. Woo, you know what that is? That's resurrection. So what you have here is you have the world being destroyed, turned back to primeval silence like the first beginning, like in Genesis, everybody, no one's left. And then after that time, then God's going to rouse the spirits and all that's corruptible shall perish. It's all done. And then the earth shall give up those who are asleep in it, the dust and the chambers, hell, water, sea. And then it's the judgment, folks. Mm. Um, I have a scrolly. I don't know what scriptures you have. On the resurrection, I have First Corinthians fifteen twelve fourteen. I have that one. Okay, and then First Corinthians fifteen forty two forty four. I believe I have that one. All right. Uh, while while you find those, I have them. Okay, I'll read Philippians and Daniel. Okay. Philippians three ten through eleven says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Mm. So Paul is saying that he, he, I'll do anything that I gotta know God, I gotta know Christ, my savior, and I gotta know the power of his resurrection because mm -hmm. that's where I wanna be. Amen, yes. and, I, and to do that, I have to have the fellowship of his sufferings, right? Mm -hmm. I have to go through this matrix, the great tribulation, to be made conformable unto his death. Mm -hmm. Pick up your cross and follow me. If by any means I may attain the resurrection of the dead, right? That's important. Daniel 12, 13, 
says, but go thou thy way till the end be, for thou shalt rest and stand in the lot at the end of the days. So he's going to be resurrected. Okay, the other two scriptures. Okay, 1 Corinthians fifteen twelve through 14 reads, Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. So without the resurrection, you have no gospel. Mm-hmm. And that's what the, the Sadducees uh, believed there was no resurrection. Jesus said they were ignorant of scriptures. That's right. They were ignorant of this stuff, Second Ezra. It's clear there's a resurrection. It says the earth shall give up those who are asleep in it. Without the resurrection, without Christ resurrecting, you have nothing. Mm-hmm. What, what, what's our goal? What's our end goal? Remember, our end goal is to be in that temple of God with his name written on us. kind of goes back to when Nicodemus went to Christ and uh, when Jesus told him that um, you have to be born again. Mm-hmm. And he said that, you know, you teach these things, but you really don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, he says, yeah, but you're you a teacher of the law, and you don't understand this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, okay uh, First For, Corinthians. fifteen forty-two through 44. It reads, So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And that's a great passage before mm-hmm. and after this. Uh, because pa- Paul is teaching about the resurrection and he's comparing it to like a seed, like a plant. You mm-hmm. plant that seed and it it's corruptible and it breaks down in the ground. And then what rises is something totally different. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, clearly he's saying it's sown a natural body. Your flesh suit dies and then you're raised in a spiritual body. That's where you are. There's a natural body and there's a spiritual body. You want to be in that spiritual body in the temple of God in the new mm-hmm. Jerusalem. Yep. That's the end game. All right. So we're going to leave it there. I just want to say the next scripture in verse 33, and the most high shall be revealed upon the seat of judgment and compassion shall pass away and patience shall be withdrawn. That's heavy folks. Compassion and patience are gone. There's no more played around. The the iniquity is filled up. God has closed the door. There's no more repentance. Mm -hmm. It's over. Um, Yeah. You can't unring that bell. So once the the earth is destroyed, everybody, uh, every flesh, all corruption is gone, then the earth is going to be roused again to give up its dead. And they're going to be raised in that spiritual body. And then that's the resurrection. And then they're going to be, we're all going to be judged by our works and our words and all that stuff. And that's next week. So that's going to be heavy stuff. Mm-hmm. All right. Woo, that's a good one, Ms. Kapow. I think we Excellent. made it. Yeah. You have anything else to add? No. Like, no. no I think we made it. We made it in, a, in an hour and seven minutes or so. Wow, that's pretty good. Man, this is this. I think this was one of my favorite lessons. They're all good, though, but this one, I mean. Yeah, because this tells us about home. Yeah, about home. I like that. All right, so that's it. And ciao, babies. 
Fainted. 